Hi, I'm Sam Fesich from the EduMagic Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with David and Susan Schwartz, and we're talking their love for Costco. They've written a book to share that love with you. It's called The Joy of Costco, A Treasure Hunt from A to Z. We talk about their journey throughout the U.S. and around the world to the numerous Costco facilities. We talk about why they love Costco. They share information about operations and some of the unique differences, as well as some of the cool facts surrounding the groceries and different products that they sell. And wait till you hear us talk about hot dogs and olive oil. So cool. You're going to love this talk. You're going to love this book. Thanks for listening. And by the way, it'd be so cool if you went to my website, stephenmaletto.com slash reviews. And, uh, Left a review. Could you do that for me? Say some nice words, maybe five stars. What do you think? <laughs> That'd be so cool. You are awesome. Enjoy the show. You know, David, as you said, David had written a book about Enrico Fermi, which is a pretty serious topic. I mean, it's a serious biography. And he was looking for a next topic to write about, another science book, preferably. And then I shoved my way in and said, why don't we write a book together about Costco? Thanks. Just because we love the company so much and thought, just think of the travel. Now, this was in 2016. So thinking about the travel was a lot of fun back then. We traveled all through COVID. It was a little less, it was more of a challenge, let's wow. put it that way. Also, I'd never written a book before. And um, and as I mentioned, Costco wasn't keen on the idea. So um, it started out as kind of a, a lark, but you know, 220,000 miles of travel and over 250 warehouses later, we've been to each of at least one warehouse in each of the 47 states. When we wrote the book, there were 46 states ahead of Costco. We were in the main opening about two weeks ago. And we've been to at least one warehouse in each of the 13 other countries. It's just been a lot of fun to get to figure out, like, how do they do this? Yeah. It's the Education Podcast, your favorite show. With lots of groovy guests and they share what they know. So crank it up to 10 and let your neighbors know. That here's another show with Dr. Steve Milletto. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. David Schwartz is the author of several books, most recently, The Last Man Who Knew Everything, The Life and Times of Enrico Fermi, Father of the Nuclear Age. He holds a BA from Stanford and a PhD from MIT. He has had a varied career as a foreign policy specialist, an investment banker, an HR specialist, and an executive search recruitment professional. David spent much of his youth in San Francisco, where his parents were early members of Price Club, Costco's predecessor. Susan Schwartz received a BA from the University of Pennsylvania, an MBA from Columbia University, and has worked at Nabisco and General Foods. After leaving corporate America, she worked freelance making TV commercials for 13 years before joining her husband David in executive search consulting. She worked as a professional baker for two years after college. She grew up in Philadelphia, where she delighted in shopping at Costco with her beloved parents. She became a member of Costco in 2009. Susan and David are proud grandparents and avid bird watchers. Our focus today is their book, The Joy of Costco, A Treasure Hunt from A to Z. A little bit about The Joy of Costco, A Treasure Hunt from A to Z. In their book, uh, the, the Joy of Costco, it, they hope to share with over 3.2 million people who enter one of Costco's warehouses every day the answers to some pressing questions, such as how does Costco keep the price of its foot-long hot dog down And in a whimsical uh, A to Z format, the book covers topics ranging from chicken and eggs to more serious topics like Costco's code of ethics, sustainability, and good works. David and Susan, thanks so much for being on the show today, and say hi to everyone. Oh, well, thank you for having us. Hello, everybody. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much. 
well, it's great to have you here. And uh, this this is really cool. All right, because first of all, your your book's got these great colors and it's got all this great information and it, it just looks good also. And, uh, you know, I, I got to say this, and before we go any further, I have to say this. I mean, neither of you are paid in any way by Costco and neither is this, posca- uh, this podcast, all right? So anybody listening, this is not a commercial for... Uh, paid for commercial um, by Costco. Although you know, I am open to sponsorships, if any, anybody's thinking yeah. that. But the uh, uh, yeah, and we don't receive remuneration for mentioning their names or or this book. You know, as a note, the company celebrated its 40th anniversary on September 15th of this year. What is it that you most like about Costco? I mean, do you have a large family all living in a large house? And I know the answer to this. Oh, one, no, right? no, no, no. In <laughs> fact, uh, you know, we're proof that you don't have to buy in huge bulk in order to enjoy Costco. You know, we've always loved Costco. We love the quality of the items, the, you know, the careful curation of the items. There are only 3,800 items in a warehouse versus, let's say, 40,000 at your typical supermarket or 140,000 at Walmart. We also love the low prices. I mean, you, you can't beat the prices. And finally, we love the the treasure hunt aspect of it. You never know what you're going to find around the next corner. You go two separate, one week after another, that second week, you think you're going to find different things. And we love that aspect of it. That's why we spend a lot of time wandering around the entire warehouse looking for those special things that we, we didn't see the last time we were there. You know, I, I, I love this because, uh, you know, it's just it's just an amazing thing. Susan, do you have something you want to add? No, I was just going to say back to your point about not being paid by Costco. If anything, it was a struggle to get them to work with us on this book. We met the co-founder and the CEO in 2018, and they were very kind and, and friendly and said, we don't want a book written. Very, very modest inherently. And it um, took us another three years to convince them we were doing it whether they liked it or not. Once we convinced them in 2021, um, I recall it was over Easter weekend, we got an email saying, would you like to come for a meeting? We want to make sure the book is accurate. Um, well, after that, they they never paid for a thing, um, except for I think they took us out to dinner once. But um, maybe a hot dog or two, but they, um, they opened the gates and let us see behind the scenes, which is really a remarkable opportunity. Um, but really, um, it's a very shy, modest company. They like to do the right thing when no one's looking, and to have all this kind of fuss about them makes them a bit uncomfortable. Imagine having two stalkers like us, you know, <laughs> following you around, talking about you and gushing. It's a love letter to Costco, plain and simple. It's awesome because it, it it's, in many aspects of it, yes, there's a lot of stalkerism there. It's like... <laughs> That's that's cool. I, all right, so I'm a fan of Costco. I've I've shopped there over the years for the availability of books. Uh, my wife and I have we've, we've shopped there with um, with our children and such. The availability of books and clothing, meat, cereal, electronics. My favorite kids' play sets, which was one of those things that it kind of appeared at one time, and we we're like, we need to take advantage of that. And and uh, I learned a lot about putting together a play set. Um, <laughs> but and also trying to get it home. That was the other thing. But the um, it, but it. Uh, you know, and, and really cool snack counter. I mean, it, there's all kinds of cool stuff there. I, is there something that you particularly like that inspired you to focus on Costco? I mean, that, what, is that one thing? You know, David, as you said, David had written a book about Enrico Fermi, which is a pretty serious topic. I mean, it's a serious biography. And he was looking for a next topic to write about, another science book preferably. And then I shoved my way in and said, why don't we write a book together about Costco? Thanks. Just because we love the company so much and thought, just think of the travel. Now, this was in 2016. So thinking about the travel was a lot of fun back then. We traveled all through COVID. It was a little less, it was more of a challenge, let's wow. put it that way. Also, I'd never written a book before. And um, and as I mentioned, Costco wasn't keen on the idea. So um, it started out as kind of a, a lark, but you know, 220,000 miles of travel and over 250 warehouses later, 
we've been to each of at least one warehouse in each of the 47 states. When we wrote the book, there were 46 states that had Costco. We were at the main opening about two weeks ago. And we've been to at least one warehouse in each of the 13 other countries. It's just been a lot of fun to get to figure out, like, how do they do this? Yeah. And there's nothing specific about, you know, about any, you know, any specific item that that said to us, oh, we got to write a book about Costco. I mean, it's the whole thing. It's the whole shopping experience. You know, you, you, you've been there. You obviously know. You walk into a warehouse. It's sort of a grand, high ceiling, large aisles kind of experience. You can see all the way to the back of the place. They're 150, 160,000 square feet average. So you feel that there's this immense experience in front of you and it's fun. And so that's why we did it. It wasn't because, oh, I love the meat, although I do love the meat, or I love the snacks, or I love the food court, all of which I love, but it's the whole thing that really really persuaded us to do this. But I'll give you an example. So I needed a new laptop. And once again, we are not paid by Costco or anybody else. We're completely independent. In fact, we published the book ourselves. Um, we turned down offers from a couple of publishers and did it ourselves. We're truly nuts. Um, but I need a new <laughs> laptop. So we went up to Costco last week and they didn't have a hundred different choices. It's highly curated and they stand behind everything. So I knew that I could just pick out the one that best met my needs without having to do a huge search because somebody at the home office in Seattle has already done all that work for me. And that's a great feeling. It really is. That's a cool thing because I, you know, I, I don't think I've ever really stopped to think about it that that often. But they they do curate what they carry, and so it's so you, instead of going in and being on overload, you know, you've got more of an idea that uh, to pick from a smaller um, availability, I guess, or or, pro, or a number of products. Well, I mean. It I'm sorry, there are a couple different categories where they do have a lot of choice. One of them is olive oil. They sell half the world's olive oil. Another one would be honey, a lot of different kinds of honey. And another one would be breakfast cereals. Now, they don't offer each one of the 5,000 breakfast cereals, but they have a lot of breakfast cereals, sort of an unusual thing. But mustard, they have one or two items. That's it. Take it or leave it. Yeah. And, you know, having a carefully curated um, palette of, of products means that, number one, they have far less inventory control and management problems than you know a big supermarket or or, or you know a, a Walmart number and that 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 means it costs less to move things around and logistics is cheaper and it means they can pass that along to their members. The other thing about it is that it, they they can stand by anything everything that's on the shelves. They have this this amazing return policy. Anything in the warehouse that you buy can be returned, no questions asked for a full refund. Um, the only restrictions on that are electronics, which uh, have a 90 day limit on, on that. Um, and, but, but, you know, the reason they can do this, or I think is because they've carefully selected what they have and they know what, that what they're offering is very high quality. And they're making a very, very large bet that members are gonna like it too. And, you know, they're very responsive. If members don't like something, if they get a lot of returns or if people are not buying it, they'll pull it from the warehouse right away and replace it with something else. Well, let's talk about the, the culture at Costco, because that's really remarkable. And we talk in the book about how after the first year of employment, the turnover rate is between 7 and 9%. That's unheard of in retailing. That's amazing. Why? It's because... Um, management feels that, what is it, 90% of your time should be spent teaching? Teaching, yeah. 90% of your time as a manager should be spent teaching, not training. You train a SEAL, you teach employees. And so everyone's rotated around. They have different um, different positions. You know, you're not going to be cleaning up the food court all day long. You might be pushing carts in the parking lot all day long, but you know, there's a variety to the jobs. 
And really, it's, it's a lot of fun. And when you walk in, at least when I walk in, I know that the employees are happy. And that makes a big difference for me. But it's a teaching aspect that really goes all the way back to Saul Price, who started Price Club, which is the original box warehouse store. That's awesome. I, you know, it's funny as a, as a high school kid, I had a job at a at a grocery store chain, and uh, um, and in, and I had, I had some good managers that I worked for and stuff like this, and the and the organization was good. But you know, a big part of it was. Uh, you know, they, they knew that they were going to get so many kids for so long and, you know, and then you'd be gone and replacing you and so forth, especially during summertime, um, those they hired for summer and such. And one of the things, I'll, I'll never forget that um, my trainer, because that's pretty much how it was treated, was as, a, you know, you're being trained to do something, which is cool to hear you say this because um, he, he was uh, about my age <laughs> and he, uh, he, he said, uh, now I'm going to show you something because sometimes when we're in this job, we, uh, you, you find that you have downtime. Well, there is no downtime. And so therefore you go to the soup aisle <laughs> and you straighten the soup cans and you bring them and he showed me how to straighten them. And then, or, and, or you go to the flour aisle where all the flour and sugar are because people are constantly making a mess there. So you have work to keep you busy all day long. Thanks to the people who make messes. <laughs> and, um, so I think it's interesting that you talk about the culture of the, uh, of Costco as well, because it's, you know, just that's a huge deal depending you know people who like working for somebody hmm. <laughs> that's nice and it's amazing for example um costco celebrated its 40th anniversary in september of the opening of their first warehouse um during that first 40 years they've had two ceos let me repeat that for emphasis two chief executive officers that's wow. it and now on january 1st a third one is going to start but he's no newbie his name is ron vacris He's been with the company 40 years. He started working part-time, I believe, in high school. Yeah, high school. Operating a forklift. He's got what's called a gold badge because 40 years or more, you've got a gold badge. I mean, he's that's amazing. It's like an incredible continuity of culture. That's amazing. That is so amazing. I, that's, yeah, that's, talk about continuity. I, to have only in, until now two CEOs ever. Wow. Yeah. I, there's, there's places that eat them up alive, you know, within the first couple right. Months, so <laughs> that's incredible. I, all right, so when you started making all these visits, these states and countries and stuff like this, these different Costco's. I mean, what at the beginning? What were you hoping to that would happen, or you would find out? Or I mean, there has to be something that you were kind of expecting, whether it was real or not. Well, I think I think the biggest thing that we were looking for were differences regionally. Um, <clears throat> people may have the view that one Costco is exactly like another, and within a region. That may, may be true more or less, but there are even differences within the regions because the buyers will sometimes take very local items and put them in a particular warehouse to see how they they do. But the buying, I guess 60% of the buying is done at the home office in Issaquah, but 40% uh, is done at the regional and local level. So, you know, you go from the Northeast region to the Southwest region and you notice differences in terms of the products that are that are on sale, in terms of the food and the snack and and a variety of things, um, say, even apparel, for example, because you know in the Northeast during the winter you're going to have winter kind of clothing, and in the Southwest you don't need that. So I mean th there are differences. The where where you see the real differences are overseas because you know Europe and Asia and and um, and Oceania, uh, Australia, New Zealand are each very, very different. And uh, 
they they sparkle with their differences. I mean, the national differences are wonderful to see. And uh, that was one of the main things we we wanted to see when we traveled around to, to every every country where there is a Costco. It's also a sort of interesting way is to it's kind of an interesting prism through which to look at a local neighborhood. Because for example, we live in Manhattan and we went out to the Brooklyn warehouse um, on Friday and I it's it's a, like a United Nations of people who shop there and the products reflect that. So you have, you know, different, um, different, uh, like, uh, okay, a halal, I'm sorry, stop. Out in Brooklyn, you actually have a whole halal lamb hanging there. They sell huge box, like a 50 pound box of halal goat. They also sell kosher food and a lot of Orthodox people walking around. Yeah. So it's just a mixture. It's amazing. And you see that just in Brooklyn. And, and what's what's remarkable about Brooklyn, we were we we're talking about on our way back, is you. See, I mean, in this time of divisiveness and tension and civil unrest, you see see Orthodox Jews, devout Muslims, uh, Asians, and Africans, and um, everyone's together and, and, shopping and happily. White guys like me shopping around together, calmly and happily. At Costco, it's just it's just an amazing thing. Everyone's doing their thing, and no one no one's fussed, and it's great. The the big surprise to us overseas was that South Korea was so Costco friendly. I mean, that's if outside the United States, Costco in Korea is just so popular. And in the book we mentioned that seventy five percent of Icelandic people have a membership, um, but in South Korea, it, I'm sure the penetration is much deeper than that. In fact, we would love to get the book translated into Korean and sell it in Korea sometime the next year or two if we can manage that. But um, but back to the United States, it's different everywhere. It's always the same, but it's different. That's awesome. <laughs> it's and especially thinking about this, the differences they recognize. Because I would have thought it was not that. I would have thought that it's you know the same wherever you go. Because it. You, You'd think that would make it more um, the efficiency level at a certain if you could, you know, put one and one is just like the other type of thing. And that's neat to well, know that layout, it's not. The layouts are generally the same. I mean, you know, they're usually just a big box. You know, there are differences on the outside depending on um, what local authorities uh, have would prefer. Costco is very responsive to local authority suggestions about aesthetics. But, um, you know, inside, you know, it's a big box. The places, the, the the warehouses that are really different in terms of their insides are in Asia, where there's less space, and and often the warehouses are stacked on, you know, the, the shopping floors are stacked, and the parking is on the top, and it's it's a little bit more cramped. But generally, when you walk into a Costco, you know it's a Costco. <laughs> there's the big shelving, and there are the wide aisles, and um, the 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 merchandise is presented in a very clean and tidy fashion. You know, isn't that, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, but in Iceland, for example, there's grass on the roof of the warehouse nice. because it's part of a shopping mall area. And um, for whatever reason, you know, there's a nice housing development up above the Costco and they decided these people wouldn't want to look at the top of a warehouse. So they went to the Icelandic tradition of the, the thatched roof. That's charming. That's across great. the street is, is an Ikea, which looks exactly the same as the Ikea everywhere else around the world. But Costco adapts itself wherever it goes. It's really interesting. You mentioned good works. That's something we really would love to talk about because they quietly do a lot of good works. I mean, recently the fires in Maui, Costco is there quietly providing generators, food, water. Um, really, the warehouse stayed open the whole time. They're there when people need them. 
whether it's a tornado or a hurricane, um, it's really quite touching. They also they also um, encourage their employees and their members to contribute to the um, Children's, Children's Miracle Net Hospital Network, um, and nice. that's um, um, that's really quite a big thing for for them and for the the, the, net, the network itself. They're very grateful. Or, but it's really important to them to give back in the communities where they where they do business and really you know take part. And another thing, sustainability. You mentioned that. I was delighted to hear you say it because um, Costco is so big, and they realize the impact they can have. The single bottle of water. When they made the lid a tiny bit thinner, that saved tons and tons of plastic. And they realize that and they take that responsibility very, very seriously. That is awesome. That's so cool. This is, you know, it's it, it's neat to hear about, uh, I mean, because like I said, you would expect that everything would be the same, but it's not. And it has, it takes in the culture and the needs of the community or that uh, environment. And, and I I have to say that's, it's so cool to learn that about the, the Korean one, because I, I was, <laughs> the First of all, think that seventy-five percent of Iceland belong, you know, the population belongs to one, and then that's even more in, in other places in, in another place in the world. That talk about a powerful company. I mean, uh, just uh, the, providing what people are needing. That's 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 really cool. Uh, and all right, so I gotta I gotta say this because uh, your book got a review from James Patterson, and what was that like? I mean, that's that's cool. Okay, that was two words, mind-blowing, really <laughs> grateful. He's, he's a big Costco fan. We were very lucky that somebody who um, we know knows him very well and um, sent him a copy of the book, and we were just delighted. Snoopy dancing. But another blurb that we got, which really meant the world to us, was from Charlie Munger, who just passed away recently, um, a dear friend of ours. Um, Charlie was it was on the board of Costco from 1997 until his recent passing. Um, he was Warren Buffett's uh, partner in at, Berkshire Hathaway. Wow. And, um, it's just really, um, Charlie understood Costco inside and out. Um, he just was great. May he rest in peace. That's awesome. But it, you know, it's it's neat that you had the opportunity to you provide something and and you get some feedback. That's really cool. That uh, <laughs> says you did good. You know, <laughs> I like that. Uh, all right. So my career in education has taken me many places, and I've had a number of colleagues who have something more than being a teacher or educator in common. And so I have a lot of stories of friends who, for whatever reason, um, you know, they, the Costco was where they shopped a, a lot of it. And some of them, it was because their, their family consumed large quantities <laughs> of food. Like I, I had this uh, one colleague, one friend who, um, her sons were very successful at playing football. They were very um, large. They were over six feet tall and, um, very sturdy men, and and she would buy milk by you know, I think I'm pretty sure she bought like four four gallons at a time, and it was yep. two gallons for each of them for the, whatever number of days that that covered, and um and that's and beyond that there's all this other foods and stuff like this. She she got multiple carts and the the little push carts and things like that to 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 feed her kids, and you know and and that's just the beginning of it. There's any number of uh, educators who. That's you know that's uh, helps them watch the watch the dollars and the billfold and all that sort of stuff and uh, and then uh, provides the different products and you know it's funny you mentioned cereal earlier that because that's one of the things that uh, kept me going there for the longest time because I always had my cereal <laughs> that I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, well, you know this is why this is you know Charlie. We get back to Charlie Munger. Charlie Munger used to say that Costco has done more good for the world than all the not-for-profit philanthropies combined. And it's it, it, he, was, he was only being slightly facetious. 
I think what he was referring to is exactly that kind of a family that has, you know, a lot of kids is trying to make ends meet, is trying to find value for money. And they know that when they go to Costco, they can get great deals on food and on clothing and on, on educational supplies, you know, school supplies, um, and know that it's high quality and, and, and know that they can save money doing it. Well, also glasses and pharmaceuticals. I mean, nothing at Costco is marked up more than 14% above cost. That's really amazing. So nice. unlike major drugstore chains, which mark down the price of generics vis-a-vis -vis the brand names, Costco marks the generics up with respect to the cost of it. And then I, of course, never do an interview without mentioning my hearing aids, which are from Costco. Um, poor David has listened to this so much, he probably regrets he still didn't hear it. Yeah. What's um, that? Costco sells <laughs> a lot of hearing aids. Mine were $1,500, and they would be $10,000 anywhere else. You don't have to be a Costco member to get a free hearing test. You just need to make an appointment. You do need to be a member to buy the hearing aids. But these are amazing. I can eavesdrop several states away. It's just, but it's really great. It slows down cognitive decline. It reduces your trips to the ER. It's a wonderful thing. And Costco, it's kind of business. Like, okay, they're selling cereal. They're selling olive oil and roast chickens. And they're selling hearing aids. And the reason why is because it's an area where people often get taken advantage of. And that's why they also sell caskets and coffins. Because that's another area where you often get taken advantage of. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that, that differentiates the Costco audiologist from, let's say, a private audiologist, is that the Costco audiologist gets paid the same thing whether or not he or she sells you hearing aids. So there's no incentive at all for them to shove stuff at you that you don't need. Whereas I'm, I'm not saying that private audiologists do that. I'm sure that most of them have a lot of integrity, but there is an incentive to sell you stuff when you're going to a private audiologist because they make a commission on, on what they sell. And back to my computer purchase, um, the person who is helping us in what's called the majors department where they sell major electronics, he's wearing a red vest, he's there. It's one of the few departments where they have somebody you know, positioned there to help you because it's a big purchase and it's technical. Um, I was looking at two computers. He actually finally recommended I buy the less expensive one. When was the last time that happened, Steve? <laughs> yeah, that, not very often. <laughs> Yeah, I was sort of stunned because we had already bought the more. Okay, that's not interesting. Um, I will say you can probably get a sense of now why we have so few friends left. Because if you have a party, you need everyone to leave. We will come and talk about Costco until they run screaming. We love the company. I mean, they make mistakes sometimes, but they own up to them, and that's another thing that's really important. Is you know their their code of ethics is 19 words long. It's the smallest thing at Costco, and the first three words are obey the law. It's hard to do, yeah. not. But they do it. Yeah, look after your look after your members. members. Look after your employees. Respect your vendors, and if you do all of that, your shareholders will benefit. That's it. That's awesome. That's that is so awesome. That's uh, it, it says a lot, especially when you come back to that number, those numbers, those percentages of what their turnover is like, which is very yeah, little, staggering. And that's another benefit to the communities as well. Is you know a good job that you can keep for a long time with tremendous benefits. Honestly, if our book doesn't work out, I'm hoping to get a job in the Costco bakery. And I think David thinks he can be a greeter, but um, we're not sure. <laughs> He's friendly, but we're not sure. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. I like that. I like that. That's, uh, so, all right. So you've been to these different warehouses and things like this. You know, the actual warehouse, What is are there any stories there? I mean, because you talk about its uniqueness. I mean, uh, any any thoughts about some of the things, like, as you watch what they're doing and things like that? With Well, I mean, there are certain warehouses that look very different. 
Now there's a warehouse in um, in in Santa Fe, Mexico, not New Mexico, but Santa Fe, Mexico, which is just outside of Mexico City, that's perched on a on a beautiful gorge that is a national park there, and overlooking that gorge. And on the roof, Costco has installed a contemplative garden, a, a football field, a, a skateboard park, a paddleball court, oh all for the use of the community. So half the so, cost of the development was the free facilities on top, which were open to the public, and the other half was the cost of the warehouse. That's amazing. And and in Mexico, they have people who are uh, not employed by Costco, but who are contracted, who will take your car, take your who collect the carts in the parking lot, but will also help you take your cart to your car. And, you know, you, you tip them and it's, it's all very nice. One of the really cool things, experiences we had was um, getting to watch them get what they call showtime ready. And we went to the Sterling, Virginia warehouse. And um, what happens is the, the warehouse closes, let's say at um, 8.30 at night. We got there about 6 p.m. We stayed until 11 p.m. We watched them closing down for the evening. And then we went back the next morning at 4.30 a.m. and watched them get ready for a 10 a.m. opening. So it takes a long time for them to move everything around on the forklifts. We were wearing hard hats. We got badges that said our names. It was the thrill of a lifetime. But the reason they say showtime ready is when they open the doors to the warehouse, they like to think of it as if it's the curtain going up on a Broadway show. And so the biggest compliment you can ever give to a Costco employee when you walk in, it'll really scare them, in fact, is if you walk over to somebody and you say, this is showtime ready, they'll think, who are you? How'd you know that term? <laughs> nice, nice. That is that is so awesome because it uh... – you know, just in the verbiage that they use, that makes it a different feel, uh, you know, kind of going back to what you're talking about, especially differences between training and teaching and so forth. And, uh, and a, I'm sorry, and there's a point of pride, too, about opening a few minutes early where they do they, they do this everywhere in the world except Korea, because in Korea, it's against the law to open early. But everywhere else, you'll notice very often if it's supposed to open at 10, the doors will actually open at quarter to 10. It's a point of pride. Nice, nice. That's 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 awesome because uh you know as a kid i worked a couple of places where not only did they not want to open early they also wanted to see if they could close early without really giving away the fact they were closed you know type of thing and it scared people away which that's uh, that's cool that they 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 well when you're if you're shopping at closing time they do what's called a soft sweep or a gentle or a push. gentle push um which which is basically they walk through and just make sure that people who are shopping know that it's closing time. They don't force anyone out. And then typically, you know, you, the last person there will be check will be at the cash register. Probably what a, a, if it, closing time is eight 30, they'll be there at eight 45. Now they don't, they don't rush people out. It's not like my local library where they flash the lights on and off and then lock the door. Yeah, But I will say, you know, <laughs> nice. Costco, part of the reason they're so modest is because they, they realize that, um, you know, success is really fleeting and um, they really, really were grateful. They felt very, very lucky. There are a number of things that happened at the beginning of the company's history, which we talk about in the book, where the coin flip could have gone either way and they were eternally grateful for it falling in their favor and for their success. And so they embody, for me at least, the importance of luck and success and, and also that you have to work hard. Because they work really, really hard. Yeah. You know, it's it's hard to sell all that stuff. Yeah. It's really they, hard. They also in the founding team, you know, of Costco in, in nineteen eighty-three, um, Jim Sinegal and Jeff Brotman, who founded the company, brought together a group of people they they had worked with 
and who had worked with each other for at least a decade or two in FedMart, uh, the, the, the old Saul Price operation in San Diego. So these people knew their business, knew how to work with each other, and really liked each other. And uh, you know, several of those people took huge cuts in pay to come work for uh, Jim and Jeff because they believed in the project. They really enjoyed working with these other people. Yeah, I think it's a good lesson for students, you know, like if you just put your nose to the grindstone and work hard and, you know, respect other people and get along well, like you can be successful in life. Certainly for us in seven years. And I'll tell you, we printed and manufactured the books before we ever knew Costco was going to sell it in the warehouse. We had no commitment from them. Uh, We just plowed ahead and did it. Now you might say we could use some psychological help, but we, we just plowed ahead and hoped for the best. The book is available everywhere, but also at Costco. And we're very grateful for that because as David says, you know, they're highly curated. They didn't have to sell our book there, but they did. That's so cool. And I mean, and like you, you said, you, you're the ones who published it as well. So you didn't uh, take the deals. And I, and I was wondering about that because it's published by Hot Dog. Hot Dog Press. Hot Dog Press. That's us. <laughs> nice. I like that. You're looking at the entire, the entire Hot Dog Press team. <laughs> awesome. Well, awesome. Here in New York, it's 450 square foot apartment. But, oh, but, but, but seriously, this is not really the whole team. I mean, we yeah. pulled together, you know, uh, art director and illustrator uh, an, an editor, a distributor, printer, you know, we have a, a number of lawyers, lawyers, you know, <laughs> trademark lawyers, our IT agents. lawyers, our, our literary agents. Uh, you know, we have a publishing consultant who is one of the most experienced people in, in the, in the business. So there's this whole group of people that have helped us make this, this happen. The hot dog press team, but you're talking to the entire staff of hot dog press. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's uh, kudos on it, getting it done. I, all right. So I got to say this, cause I, I got to make sure I mention this. I, I love baseball and hot dogs. And you know that Costco sells seven times more hot dogs than all us baseball stadiums combined. Oh my gosh. That's, that's a lot of hot dogs. I mean, I, all, all major league stadiums combined. That's what I figured. Yeah. Not, not little league stadiums yeah, right. or anything like that. No, I figured that's what you meant. Cause I, I mean, I, I'm a I'm I'm out of uh, Georgia and I'm a huge Braves fan and we had and we go there and go to all the games and stuff and you see people they're consuming hot dogs of all sizes and uh, and I can only imagine across the country at every one of those baseball stadiums similar things happening and and they well, still they outsell them. They estimate that 19 million hot dogs are sold at Major League Baseball stadiums in a year, and Costco sells more than 100 million. And that was another big thrill for us was they let us, they gave us a tour of the hot dog, one of the two hot dog manufacturing facilities. This one's outside Chicago and undisclosed location. And I'll just tell you, it is spick and span. It's really um, so clean and the hot dogs fresh off the line, no bun, no condiments, delicious. Um, The hot dogs sold in Asia and overseas are oftentimes pork and the rest of the world they're beef. So that's another difference. And in the book, we also detail, you know, the different toppings around the world, like back to Mexico, you can put on unlimited numbers of jalapeno peppers. And in Iceland, they put on those crunchy, crispy fried onions that go in the green bean casserole at Thanksgiving. So it's another thing that was just interesting to see around the world, how it varies. That's Um, so cool. That's, that really is. All right. So let's talk about the uh, something about the facility for a minute, because one of the things that if you try, if you go to a Costco on a Saturday, nevertheless other days, but if you go on a Saturday, it's, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of cars there, I guess is the best way of saying it. And, you know, um, could you talk about some of the unique information that you discovered about parking at Costco? Cause I thought that was interesting that you had a section on that. 
Well, one, one thing, I'm from Philadelphia originally, and I have to say in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, we went there on our anniversary a couple of years ago to check it out. They actually have horse and buggy parking there. Oh, and funny. we saw horse and buggy parking taking place. There's a big bucket with a shovel in the corner of the garage nice. where they park them. Um, the parking spots are oversized, so as is everything at Costco. It makes it easier to park, reduces the number of dings. They also spend a lot of money um, landscaping the parking lot so that the, the pleasant experience starts when you're in the parking lot. So you'll notice beautiful landscaping. Um, they spend about 15% more than other people do. And then um, when the Costco gets too crowded, if it does, they tend to open another one. So they want to keep the, the shopping experience pleasant. So if you're shopping at one that's really busy, the chances are pretty good. There might be a new one cropping up someplace else. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the parking space issue is is one of the real um, real challenges of finding a location for for a Costco. You, you need you need the footprint to be able to put 160, 170,000 square feet. Actually, it's it's getting bigger now. They put a couple up that recently that are 200,000 square feet. Wow. Um, and you need that footprint, but you also need the footprint for 700, 800 cars. And um, and you know it's a lot. You know a lot of a lot of space. Um, in in Asia, they solve that by stacking, as I said before. In the United States, they'll so solve. It takes time to find the location that does that. The other thing that that uh, is a challenge is finding a location that has very good road access because there are uh, you know the big trailer tractor trailers that come in all day long, overnight and all day long. That need to get into the receiving dock, and you know that needs to be an easy process for that. And the final thing is the road access needs to be such that you know it, it doesn't you know back up for a mile and a half on a crazy Saturday when everyone has decided to go go shopping at Costco. That was one thing we discovered in China. We went to Shanghai, um, I guess last July. Do not recommend visiting China in July. It's kind of hot. But anyway, we were there, and um, we'd heard that the opening in August 2019 that the roads backed up for like three or four miles, miles. and we wow. thought oh it must be a small little road no nothing doing when we saw the roads the highways these are highways these are like 12 lane highways that are accessing this this costco so to see the actual roads and see these are the roads that backed up it, it was unbelievable they had to open yeah. that on opening day they had to close at one or two o'clock in the afternoon because they ran out of food and because it was so crowded that's amazing i wow i all right. One challenge, one challenge we have faced in terms of parking, though, is when we go to a Costco, we tend to spend two or three hours inside. So when we walk out, we look at, look at each other and say, where's the car? We have no idea. <laughs> it's usually a rental car because we don't own a car. So we stand around with the, the key clicking it, hoping to see something blinking to find our car. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, especially if they keep changing who's parked where and stuff like this. Time you come out, it could be anywhere, right? It's, or feel like it, at least. That's cool. It, all right, so we talk about a couple of different things um, about uh, you know, certain terms that refer to different parts of it. Can you talk about uh, what's expected um, when you hear them use the term "keep it neat and tidy"? Oh yeah, I mean, I'll give you I'll give you a perfect example of this. When we spent that that night, the overnight at Sterling Warehouse, we we got back at around four in the morning, and there were people charging all over the place with forklifts and pallets and things. But in the final 15 minutes, they took string and they took, the, they tightened, took a long string, put it on one end of the aisle and at the other end of the aisle and made sure that the pallets 
were all lined up along that string. So they had to be perfectly lined up. And if they weren't lined, we saw them bring a forklift around and move the pallet so that it was perfectly lined up. So that's the extent to which they go to make sure that everything looks neat and tidy. Um, the top of the pallets need to look straight and flush. Um, what else they, they focus on? Oh, they, you know, they, they don't, you know, overnight, they really don't like to leave a pallet that's sold down. So everything is replenished to the same height, 54 inches is sort of the the, the canonical standard. Um, sometimes it's lower, sometimes it's higher, but they like to keep it around 54 inches. And that was a number that was invented by Saul Price way back when in the uh, in the Price Club days. There's a story about Saul seeing a, a beautifully arranged display of tires because you know, Costco sells tires and it was really high. It was way higher than 54 inches. And Saul, who sometimes had a little bit of a temper, allegedly knocked over the entire display and said, that's too high. Do it again. It's cool, though, to have any of these types of concept, any types of thoughts about how it should be, and that, you know, that any team member, um, whatever their position, can participate in that. Yeah. Well, that starts at the top, and this is another really important thing. I mean, just recently, about a month or two ago, we were in Seattle, and we saw um, – we had lunch with Jim Sinegal, the co-founder, and then we each independently went to a Costco warehouse. We knew we were going to run into him there. And as we walked in, I saw Jim bending down to pick up a piece of paper from the floor. I said, excuse me, sir, like, I'll get that for you. He turned around and he said, well, how'd you get here so fast? I said, well, how did you get here so fast? But that says everything you need to know about Costco, that the co-founder at age 88 walks into the warehouse, sees a napkin on the floor and picks it up. And that sends a message down to the 300,000 other employees that we don't leave garbage on the floor. And when you walk around a warehouse, it's neat and tidy. There's nothing on the floor. And if there is, somebody comes over to pick it up pretty quickly. It's like your house. You wouldn't leave a napkin on the ground. The maintenance people are really, you know, who do who, who go throughout out the warehouse every day, you know, on an hourly basis and you know, tidying things up. They're really well-respected. Well I mean, pe they are part of the merchandising process. You know, people understand that, the shopping experience, the, the reason people enjoy it so much is because it is uh, a clean place, well lit. That's so awesome. That's very cool. I, all right. So, you know, one of the things you've talked about is uh, the different places in the world that you've gone to, to see different Costco's as well as the U.S. Um, and one of the things you've also shared in your books, in your book, is that the grand openings are kind of unique that that Costco does. And I was wondering if you could kind of combine those two and talk about uh, um, those grand openings and maybe if you've been to a unique one or two that might not be in this country. Well, Sweden, well, certainly. Sweden, yeah. Sweden, yeah. Um, yeah. Why don't you talk about okay. me? Okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we arrived in Sweden uh, for the opening and um, it was really, really interesting because I don't think the Swedes sort of knew about Costco. And because many of them travel uh, into the United States and they see Costco's there, but many of them were just very, very curious about what it was like. Typically, it open the, the open the ribbon cutting is around eight o'clock in the morning, and uh, local dignitaries are there, and uh, and the, the 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 warehouse management is there. Now, senior management from Issaquah is in Sweden, but they don't come at the ribbon cutting because they don't want to take away uh, the, the limelight from the warehouse management. But they arrive later 
and they walk through and and shake everyone's hand and you know say hi to people have their pictures taken um there's tons and tons of sampling that goes on on a typical uh, opening day and i think our impression was the swedes were really really quite impressed with what they were seeing nice. uh, impressed with the quality impressed with the prices impressed with the variety um there are yeah. always some wow items that are really special for an opening. So, for example, I was able to resist the um, the rhinestone studded Gucci sunglasses. <laughs> they had a huge display of fantastic sunglasses. The Gucci ones stick in my mind, but the, all, you know, Ferragamo, all kinds of really unbelievably you know elegant brands, and um, but for great prices. They also um, we saw a gigantic bar of Toblerone at the Swedish opening. We decided not to bring that back. We do carry on luggage all day. That did not fit. A ten pound Toblerone bar. Ooh. Ooh. Oh in there's an opening um, party where all the vendors and the employees and their families go. And um, and that's really fun. You, everything's ready to go, except there's no fresh fish in the display cases. But everything else is all ready to go and, and on display, except for the baked goods, too. And, um, and you can walk around and see everything. And then the next morning you come back and you can buy. But it's just um, it's awesome. And they always have a big sheet cake with store number on it. And congratulations, Vanilla yeah. and Chocolate. Yeah. But I would, you know, I, you know, we, the most recent opening we went to was up in Maine, and that was great. People had been been uh, really excited about that opening for a long time because if you live in Maine, you want to go to Costco, you had to go down to Massachusetts, so or or to New Hampshire. So people were very excited, and it was very crowded, and I think very successful opening. Um, um, the line started forming, I think, at like two in the morning the night before. We did not do that. We've been to enough <laughs> Costco's. We did not need to sleep overnight in the parking lot. But if you wanted to, the parking lot was pretty big, well landscaped. Was it in Sweden, in Sweden where there was a pregnant woman at the front of the line? Yeah, she was pregnant with twins. And right, they was a pregnant minutes early because they didn't want to make her wait any longer. <laughs> it was pretty cold, and yeah, exactly. Nice. Um, people. Oh, and we went to a we went to a warehouse opening in Wins South Windsor, Connecticut, and the wow item that morning was a PlayStation Five, which at that particular moment was unavailable anywhere else. Wow. People. <laughs> came from New York City to South Windsor, Connecticut, and spent the night online. And then, you know, when the ribbon was cut and the crowd pushed in, it was like a feeding frenzy for yeah. PlayStation 5, just a total, total chaos. And the interesting thing is they sold out of that within, I think, about 20 minutes. And they immediately had another pallet of something else brought in to replace it. So, you know, it still looked neat and tidy. Yeah. That's a cool. That's um, what a what a neat thing to learn about. I mean, it, it, the the operation. I mean, it, always been amazed at the store anyway. And it, but to know so much more, and you guys have found out by traveling to all these different stores, just all the cool stuff that's out there. I mean, we're getting we're getting ready to to close up, David and Susan. But before before we do that, if someone wanted to follow up and connect with you and or learn more, where would you send them? Uh, our website, certainly the joy of Costco. We're also um, active on social media, also the joy of Costco. Um, and um, that, that'd be fine. Yeah. I mean, we, you can get in touch with us uh, either way. And, you know, we, we try to respond to everything that we get. That is excellent. I'll have that information in the show notes where I'll remind everybody. And I got one last question as we're getting ready to finish up. And this is a question I like to ask my guests. And, and it goes like this. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? Well, that'd be my mom because she was a school teacher. Nice. She had eyes in the back of her head. She did not sleep in the closet and eat chalk. She lived at home, um, but she was tremendous. She taught um, junior high. She started out teaching kids with learning disabilities and then um, taught in Center City, Philadelphia. Um, 
at an alternative school that gave kids a chance who otherwise wouldn't have had one. And she, it was really touching the number of kids who kept, stayed in touch with her, um, yeah. thanked her for teaching them how to write or do a resume or get a job. She was yeah. awesome. But uh, for me, I, I, I've been very lucky. I've had two teachers who had feature films made about them, oh. uh, the Family Stone and uh, okay, the Everest Club. No, but but um, it's not a competition. But, <laughs> um, but the, the the teacher who made the, the most impact on me was my PhD advisor, Bill Kaufman, who um, who really, you know, when you get to graduate school at that, you know, in at that, at that point in your life, you're looking for someone who can really mold the way you think about your particular subject, and and he had. He, he certainly did that. I mean, he was incredibly powerful in terms of teaching me how to think about the subject of political science, defense policy, national policy, and that kind of thing. But he also, I mean, just his his manner and his um, his way of, of walking, his way of talking, it just was hugely influential to me and to all my fellow graduate students. You know, I, 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 I think about him often. He died in uh, 2010, I think, uh, early, or maybe 2009. And uh, I do think about him very, very often. We should also mention our daughter-in-law is a, a high school science teacher in nice. the Philadelphia area. Yeah, we love so, teachers. Yeah, teachers rule. Uh, yes, most definitely. Very nice. So cool. Hey, David and Susan, thank you so much for sharing your book, The Joy of Costco, A Treasure Hunt from A to Z. What an awesome book. Wishing the best in all you do and looking forward to what cool adventure you guys take next because I got it's got to be another one going, right? <laughs> oh, well, thank you very much. We haven't thought that far forward yet, but thank you very much. Well, thanks for your patience with us. Thank you. Hey, you have been listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. The opinions expressed on Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmaletto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much. You're awesome.